You are listening to Talking Star Wars. But what do you want to talk about for our first in-depth topic? Do you want to get into Force Powers? Do you want to get into Captain Phasma and Finn? Where do you want to, to launch us off into? Let's do our first focus on, as we like to call, weird Force shit. Weird Force shit. Or, you know, Spotlight. Interesting Force Powers. Yes. Yeah, whichever way you prefer. So, and the one that we found most interesting to start with, because it's a pretty contained example, is uh, psych- psychometry. That's a... That's Psychometry? Psychometry? Yeah. So it is the cool. ability of certain Force users to detect the memories, emotions, and sensory details from objects that have been near people experiencing high emotions. We got to call that something. Force touch? Well, they were called echoes in Fallen Order. So the ability, the ability to feel force echoes. Force echoes. That's because I can't say psychometry in any consistent way. I'm sorry. I, will try, I, will, I think it's psychometry is how they do it. So I'll say psychometry. You can call it detecting force echoes, and I mean the same thing. I'll call it sparkly fingers. So this, where did we see this first? Do we probably saw this first in Clone Wars. Just think, do we see any of it depicted at all in the original trilogy. So just to summarize, however, first, this is the ability of Force users to detect emotions and sensory detail from objects held by people uh, by touching the Force. It is primarily displayed by two individuals that we see, Quinlan Voss, a member of the Jedi Council during the Clone Wars, and Cal Kestis, a Padawan during Order 66, who then is the star of the video game Fallen Order. Could that include going to places and then sensing that... There's something off with this place. I think that this is more specifically about the ability to detect the specific sensory and memories of other people through objects they've held and the echoes they have left in the Force. Okay. I was going to say the there is Luke and uh, the, the cave in Dagobah, but that's probably more of uh, something more specific to the space, not more mm-hmm. specific to Luke. They did release a story, so that is a dark foresight entity that resides on Dagobah and has been growing in power over the course of centuries it's why one reason yoda is there is he can he uses it and he tries trying to teach the creature that it doesn't have to be part of the dark side forever he foresee he sees them as a, a symbiotic relationship and the creature is surprised <laughs> because it believes it has been yoda's nemesis for decades <laughs> and yoda is like thank you my friend for all you have done for me um, so yeah would that, you like tea so virgences and dark places of the force are certainly a subject we can talk about another time there's mm-hmm. places like mustafar and malachor sure that, and uh, if you want to go to legends of Corbin, that can mm-hmm. also come up but which i believe is more band than new canon i mean planets get different names anyway so yeah could, could have been Corbin ten thousand years ago mm-hmm. who knows i think that's what george lucas himself said when I got lunch with him, yeah, but I, yeah. I thought I read somewhere. But uh, right. yeah, when it comes to George Lucas, much like J.K. Rowling, should say less about what he created now that he's no longer creating it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I find I've gotten through such a strange relationship with that man, where I just find him now endearing, and I hear about his proposed sequel trilogy, and he wanted it to be like a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and we're going to go talk to the the microfiche. That's not what it is. Uh, Many chlorians. It was going to be a honey. I shrunk the kids with many chlorians, and those were going to be the wills of the force. That sounds awful. Uh, I know yeah, that would have been so bad. Yeah. All right. So let's go. Let's go back to our subject of force echoes. Uh, yeah, psychometry. Uh, so it is first depicted in 
the Clone Wars, there is an episode mm-hmm. focusing on hotshot Jedi Master Quinlan Voss, who's a little bit of a maverick, and we see him using this power to help Obi-Wan track down a conspiracy. He was, you know, a little bit of an unorthodox master in the Jedi Order. Uh, kind of described as a Jack Sparrow in design notes. Yeah, a little bit, mm-hmm. but also, you know, very strong. He does a lot of undercover work for the Jedi Council because he's mm-hmm. good at it using a psychometry build. He can learn information that no one's even spoken to him. And he's just cool. He's charismatic, and he's not a stuck-up Mace Windu. Mace Windu isn't going to do any kind of undercover work because he reeks of uh, snitch. Like, he's got that mm-hmm. snitch quality to him. So yeah, Quinlan Voss is... You said Mace Windu yeah. when you need the problem solved with the lightsaber. You said Quinlan Voss mm-hmm. when you need information before he uses his lightsaber to deal with the problem, yes. which is why Obi-Wan and Quinlan Voss get along well because Obi-Wan has enough flexibility mm-hmm. to get Voss. So he appears in a, a few episodes of The Clone Wars, a couple where he's primary partnered with Obi-Wan investigating mm-hmm. conspiracy. They have a fight with Cad Bane, where Cad Bane holds, manages to hold his own briefly against Quinlan Voss and Obi-Wan, using all the tricks in his arsenal before he is defeated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not before Cad Bane has murdered a few people, because that's what Cad Bane does. But we, we mostly get this ability for Quinlan, is he just touches an object and then he tells Obi-Wan what he sees. So you see this is a visual medium. Mm-hmm. So we see it happening mostly from the perspective of the characters. There's no, we don't ever get inside Quinlan's head and see what he's seeing or hear mm-hmm. what he's hearing. It's just him retorting it to yeah. So it doesn't really have any effects, like notable effect on Quinlan. Does he, you know, get shook? Because it's, it reminds me somewhat of a... I'm, I'm Harry Potter is not a, a great example because the objects, the horcruxes are possessed and people are possessed by them and it's not people sensing them, but it's, you know, it's made of potato. Uh, so while Quinlan is a Jedi master and while he centered himself in the force, we never see it affecting him inadvertently. It's just gathering information. He can understand the emotion without necessarily internalizing it. But then as you, as people listening may know, the Clone Wars was canceled after season six um, until it was picked up by Disney and finished in season seven. But there were two more seasons that had been plotted out with scripts written. And so the writer of a whole arc that intended to focus on Quinlan Voss turned it into a novel called The Dark Disciple, where the two protagonists are Quinlan Voss and our favorite Dathomiri, uh, night sister, assassin, former apprentice of Dooku. Asajj Ventress. Were you leading me up to mispronounce Asajj Ventress? No, I wasn't sure I could pronounce it correctly. Oh, oh. I was blanking. So, and also, yeah, I talked to him a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it actually gets into a, a fairly intense romantic story where Voss falls for the fallen former Sith Padawan and is supposed to be undercover to assassinate Dooku, but is seduced literally by. Asajj Ventress, who was originally just going to use him as a tool to get Ventress. And then, you know, he's brought down towards the dark side by Asajj, and she's brought up towards the light side again by Quinlan until, you know, they fall in love, are intimate. And then we do see as he gets more and more emotional, as Asajj Ventress convinces him to draw on more of the dark side in their attempt to assassinate Count Dooku. We see this psychometry gets harder for him to control. Uh, spoilers for those who haven't read The Dark Disciple, but... Uh, I'm trying. I'm getting there. Do you, do you want me to spoil it's it? It's been a week. I'll, I'll, I'll plug my ears. Just just give me a, give me a yeah. signal. But yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a moment where a character dies. Ventress is killed by Dooku, and he touches one of her lightsabers, I believe. He, has a, he is distraught and falls to pieces. Uh, okay, you can open your ears again, Connor. I think I only heard rot or distraught. Yeah. Or the Quinlan 
boss bought something. So I think it was a it was a cool force power to have, but it was sort of ancillary. But then I think it was both used as an interesting storytelling device in a more interactive media in Fallen Order, which is a video game. Kind of the transition from Quinlan's experience with psychometry. Uh, does Kel? How does he use it? Uh, does he have total command over it, or is it more nebulous? So Cal was a, just a Padawan, and a pretty young Padawan, uh, when the Order 66 came down. He had very recently been assigned even to a Jedi Master, not a youngling anymore. He still wouldn't have been a full Jedi Knight, even with his age in Fallen Order. So he has a very powerful psychometry ability, but it affects him much more than it affects Quinlan. Uh, Cal is in not in a great emotional state. He's been suppressing his Force powers for years before they reactivate, and so he feels the emotions of what happened to people very strongly, where he is facing off against an Inquisitor, disarms her, but when he catches her lightsaber, he has an intense force vision, and you actually witness this as the player, this force vision that Cal Kestis has, witnessing one of her deepest traumatic memories, and it actually allows his opponent to flee, and he loses key information because he just could not bear. But I think it's also an interesting way in which good Star Wars media will often use mm -hmm. the medium that it's in to expand upon the universe, where in a you know a very rigid sense you could say oh they were doing a video game and needed a way to convey information in an mm -hmm. interactive way to a player and that's true but then did it using an ability that was already established in the universe or it could have established as a new ability even but was consistent in how it affected him and it had relevant to the plot it wasn't just like oh and you pick up the glowing blue codex entries <laughs> and he senses the force echoes in that he actually has to use that information to progress the plot several times mm -hmm. it's not just it's called I'm going to pull out my, my, my 20 cent word here, ludonarrative dissonance, where you don't get him using an ability in gameplay that he then does not possess outside of the gameplay. So uh -huh. it, it's fairly well integrated. I would <laughs> say the Fallen Order does a fairly good job of maintaining, at least for Force Powers, a lack of ludonarrative dissonance. Um, Slip it right back in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in how it certainly affects him more deeply, and you actually... For most of it, you just get you get audio and you get a, um, a text entry that transcribes what happened, and you get Cal's thoughts about what happened, especially when he mm -hmm. finds the remains of another Padawan that was killed during Order sixty six. It's a very emotional for him. But then during main moments, you also see him when he touches objects, you know, owned by people with deep trauma, and when he touches even ancient objects from the ancient force sensitive people, he gets other conflicting mm -hmm. visions. That'll be interesting to see because I still. Have not gotten deep enough into the game to, like, I feel like I'm killing slugs, and I'm I'm just waiting, just waiting for more. I'll get there. Well, I'll get there. There's a little bit of dissonance there, you know. It's like, ah, yes, you must kill the slugs before you can fight the Inquisitors. Mm -hmm. um, I need to learn. Much like a Jedi, I must go through the training. So those are our two canonical examples of characters that we know that possess the psychometry ability, but it is also depicted in other media, not necessarily as a primary ability that the character has that's notable, but I think showing that much like other force powers, it can either be learned or in very specific instances, the force will act to use the ability through someone even if they haven't studied it. For example, Rey demonstrates many force abilities. And uh, uh, one could say she has all the Force abilities. And uh, the merits of the sequel trilogy are existent, but may need some defending. I would say that Rey demonstrates this ability twice, because she demonstrates it in The Force Awakens, touching Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. And it's one of the more memorable sequences in the film where we see her, in a very disorienting way, transition from Maz Kanata's underground 
seller to the Bespin duel where the lightsaber was used to battle Vader. And then I believe, I think it might be at the end, we see the forest where she will be fighting Kylo Ren with the saber. But in betwixt, we see the uh, the fall of Luke's Jedi Temple. So I think you are correct in that this is a depiction mm-hmm. of the ability, use of psychometry. But I think it also forges on other Force powers that Rey does mm-hmm. not understand she possesses. She's very powerful in the Force. Mm-hmm. But as far as Rey using this power, but it's not just in all the ways that Quinlan Voss mm-hmm. and Cal Kestis use this, and with the exception of one vision that Cal Kestis has. It is mm-hmm. all things that have specifically happened to the person who held the object. Where mm-hmm. it's Ray has it. It is more like an, a vision Cal has, the most traumatic one he has in the game, where he actually sees himself in the future. Sure. And I think this is then tying into Ray's already existent, nascent connection to Kylo Ren, where they don't have it yet, but they're mm-hmm. gonna once they meet, it is then formulated, and that's how Ray unlocks so much of her first power so quickly. In that, literally, she has this symbiotic relationship, sometimes parasitic relationship, with Kylo Ren, uh, or Ben Solo, as we might say. Right. Or Jason Solo, if you're a contrarian. Well, Connor, you need to be quiet now. Yeah, I will. Ben Solo. Ben Solo. Looking ahead after Force Awakens, we see Rey have an experience in the cave on Octo, where she views many renditions of herself, trying to take a glimpse at who her famous lineage is, and then seeing only herself which has many interpretations. That could be another location. But in Rise of Skywalker, she touches uh, a dreaded dagger that I loathe. I, I uh, just the, the the thought that a dagger that's ancient can line up with uh, random ruins from a Death Star to show you how to find a relic is ridiculous. But its use in psychometry I find valid and interesting because it allows Ray to see. Did it belong to the Sith follower acolyte? Yeah, the Sith acolyte. Who murdered her parents? No matter whether it's going to be a a narrative turn and something that could be fleshed out, and I believe it has been fleshed out in one of the books, a buddy adventure between Luke and Lando called uh, uh, X-Wing Down. I can't remember what it's called, but it's a a real thing. But it's, it's set after Return of the Jedi where they do some detective work. Uh, there's one about Han and Lando. <laughs> this, this is relatively recent, but but regardless, uh, she, with this ridiculous knife, still has a vision of uh, its connection to her past lineage and what the knife was used for. I would so agree that was definitely an example of psychometry. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether people like it or not, Ray does show the ability, you know, likely due to the manipulated genome that her grandfather implanted in her, mm-hmm. is able to very quickly pick up powerful force abilities, which would have been very convenient for the ancient insane clone emperor who wished to possess her body. Insane clone emperor sounds like an offshoot. It's the Star Wars version of the insane clown posse. (laughs) (laughs) He has just these transitions or uh, transmissions that come from uh, the unknown regions and just sick. But um, anyway, Rey is all of the Jedi. So she, whether through her genes or through the pooling of all the, the force, is bound to have these abilities, but she's one of the other prominent members that has shown evidence of being able to manipulate this ability. And I thought primarily done best in Force Awakens, where we are kind of taken with her, and uh, something with the cinematography is just so disorienting in how it transitions from one location to the next. It really gives you this feeling of uh, her being swayed by the relic that 
when we get to uh, our like 52 week long series on missed opportunities from the sequel trilogy, we'll get to the Skywalker lightsaber, but psychometry. Yeah. And I think personally it is used most powerfully as Connor said, when it, you're seeing it from the perspective of the person using the ability, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of like when then Voss, you know, um, getting all smug and telling Obi-Wan information he couldn't detect is interesting and it's using the force, but when you live through it and it's used either for, to provide, you know, codex information in the fallen order or to provide these terrifying force visions, it also expands upon the universe in a way it's like the force is this all pervading thing that touches on all life. So it also is reinforcing the building of the setting. Mm -hmm. This doesn't take us terribly long, Connor. I think we have time if we wanted to continue our force shit conversation. Force shit. To talk about dark side locations. Maybe we'll break this yeah. out in another episode after we've talked about it. Sure. Thank you for joining Connor and I for our first episode on exploring force powers about psychometry or force echo. Join us for our next episode where we talk about dark side locations. Thank you so much for listening. We've been talking Star Wars. We'll see you sometime soon in a galaxy right here.